Hey, Revenue Radio. It's Mary Grothy. I'm joined today by Paralee Walls. We had to have her back. Obviously, our last recording was a pretty popular one. I lovely. very much enjoyed talking to you about what it's like to be a female executive. I mean, we've had some crazy stories that we shared. It's been such a privilege working with you side by side here at House of Revenue. Today, we are going to dive into a topic that helps people understand the difference between interim, outsourced, and fractional when it comes to growing your team of executives. So let me frame this and I want to get your take on this and then we'll define all of it. We spend our time with what we refer to as second stage companies. Right. So they're past startup scale. They've already achieved a few million in revenue and typically they plateau because what got them through startup scale, which is usually scrappy, <laughs> unorganized, <laughs> chaotic in this mindset of doing whatever you have to do in order to succeed or win or get to the next milestone, that's not scalable. It's not repeatable. And the people that help you like scrappy startup founders and startup executives, like it's just a whole different breed of person. You also don't have a lot of money. There's not a lot of budget. You can't pay people well. And then you get into this second stage scale where you actually have something like you've confirmed, Hey, we actually have something as a company. We are close to or have achieved product market fit, or we've, it, it, when I say close to, like we have enough customers for enough period of time that validate what we're doing, but maybe we're exploring like, what are the other markets that could, or types of buyers that could benefit from this product or service? What do you need to do right. to get there? But there's this realization of, oh boy, what got us to this point isn't what's going to get us to the next level. And one of the first places people start, people being CEOs and leaders is growing out their executive team. Right. Well, that's expensive. Very. So how, what have you, what are you seeing in the size companies you work with? Obviously the same as me, that five to 20 million, usually on average. Talk to me about what you're seeing in that stress and strain of building out the executive team. And then how would you define the three different types? Well, cash is just so precious at that stage. So it's really difficult to say, well, I mean, I think we need a CFO because we need to spend our money very strategically to make sure that we're hitting these goals and we're going to be able to hit that series A or, you know, whatever comes next, but a CFO is outrageously expensive. Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of early stage companies turn to outsourced accounting and finance for that. And that's one of our first categories of that outsourced. So you're, you're asking someone to do a really specific project for you on an ongoing basis and provide strategy, but in a pretty limited swim lane. Yeah, more like a professional services company. So when we're talking about outsourced, that usually means it's a services company. The person sitting in the seat may rotate, you know, because they, they deal with, you know, some turnover or promotion or whatever in the seat. And you're paying for a very specific scope, a very specific service. You'll have some strategy, maybe a combination of strategy plus services and actual execution. It just depends on what it is that you're getting outsourced in that seat. But it's usually like outsourced to an agency or a company, a service provider is where you can get that executive or potentially coupled with some services. Yeah. Another place I, I really see outsourced executive leadership and strategy is in demand generation. Oh. You often see people say, gosh, we just, we can't afford to have a demand gen person on the team. They're super expensive. So let's see if we can go to an agency and get that level of powerhouse strategic decision-making that's going to allow us to 
really be strategic about the budget um, without having to spend all the money or trust a newbie to <laughs> make some great decisions, which could work. You know, there are some wonderkins out there, but they're pretty rare and far in between. And then they're going to want 3x their uh, raise, you know, in a couple of days. <laughs> Sorry. That was funny. Yes, I know. I know them. <laughs> so when you're looking at outsourcing, like I like I, I agree with you, a common one when you're in that second stage scale is outsourcing and counting. So I've seen a lot of outsourced CFO that have accounting packages coupled with it. So like you get the outsourced CFO, CFO executive, but in order for them to flourish as your outsourced CFO executive, they kind of need access to the books, right? Like they need right. to have their people doing the accounting, doing the bookkeeping, running the pay because they need the full picture of the financial data. So it's actually a very common practice if you're looking at that executive seat to get a CFO. Hey, we want to outsource CFO. Cool. But they most likely have some services attached to that because it makes right. their efficacy stronger. So that's very common in that area. When you go the route of marketing, there's, uh, there are groups out there like chief outsiders, you know, that have CMOs that you can get access to. The challenge that you have with that is they don't couple it with services. So that leads more into the fractional realm. So I, uh, early in our sales BQ days before we were house of revenue, one of our clients used a CMO from chief outsiders. He was awesome. Mm. He was so cool. Loved his story. Also loved his blue glasses. He's pretty neat, pretty neat guy. And he was so strategic, so far in his career, so talented. It was so cool to see him in action. Mm. But then the strategy really fell flat with the client because there wasn't like, how do we execute on this? How do we do this? And so when we look at fractional, it's really interesting because the fractional executive, like they really are playing that fully strategic fractional seat as the, but they manage multiple clients, right? Or companies. And add a fraction of the price. Exactly. Fraction of the time, fraction of the price. So you're tapping into brilliant executive strategy and, and leadership, but at a fraction. So there's pros and cons to that, but it's great in that second stage scale. But then the realization needs to be, you may have to couple that similarly to how the outsourced CFO is going to couple it with their team for accounting. The fractional CMO in this example is going to want to work with internal marketing execution specialist or an agency. Yes. Yeah. It's not reasonable, I would think, to expect a, a fractional chief executive of any kind to also be responsible for doing all of the work. You know, I think they should certainly know how to do it. Um, they need to know how to do everything from soup to nuts, uh, particularly in a marketing situation. But listening to and acting on the recommendations of someone who is a part-time part of your organization, but for a long amount of time, they're not like interim, which we'll get to next because they are a part of your team. Mm -hmm. You know, they are in your leadership meetings. They are running their team meetings. They're doing coaching sessions with the execution mm -hmm. uh, part of the team. And I think that is particularly important to call out is that when you invest in a fractional executive, you also need to open up your mind and your budget to investing in the folks who are going to execute on the strategy that this brilliant person is bringing in. Yeah. I, well, I'm, I was about to say, I love fractional executives. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I love fractional executives. We built this company with that fractional CRO CMO and we built it 
purposefully, purposefully for the second stage scaling company. So typically between five and 20 million, you know, asterisk, there's some room on either side. However, what needs to be understood is because you are tapping into such wonderful talent, they're very expensive. And the whole like point is that you get someone of that caliber, that brilliance at a fraction of the cost, but it is also that they are only going to do so much of the work. They've got to build a team. And for a company that is looking at growth is different than a company looking at scale. Yes. So a company looking at growth, moderate, five to 10% year over year growth, steady, very clean on the PL, clear growth plan, nothing super aggressive, launching new markets. Yeah, you know, comfortable. Like it's, it's, it is, it's comfortable. So that's different than who we serve, which is a company looking to scale. And a fractional executive can only take that so far. So, I mean, that's where CEOs need to have the right mindset and understanding that a fractional executive, if they're in that seat for 12 to 18 months, Mm -hmm. there's an opportunity in that revenue size to potentially be doubling monthly recurring revenue, maybe less, maybe more. Well, if the company gets to that size, you're now at the point where you've got to be facing the decision to have a full-time person. Exactly. And what we have seen at House of Revenue and and before is sometimes a fractional uh, CRO Mm -hmm. can be such a great fit for a company that after those 12 to 18 months of scale, maybe 24 months, if it's particularly complex, then they have that conversation with the organization to say, all right, you need to bring in a full-time person. I can do that for you, but it will be on an interim basis. I, you know, I love being a fractional executive, so it's hard for me to imagine being full-time anywhere forever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but if I just built a scaled revenue engine, I want to be there full-time to make sure that the handoff is pristine. Mm-hmm. So that takes us to our third category, which is interim. So let's say I've scaled a company. I've only been working for them 30% of my time. I jump in 100% of the time to build out what that full-time role really looks like. Mm-hmm. What are the really specific day-to-day responsibilities and what does the forecast look like for the next several years that I'm going to expect another full-time person to be able to handle? Yeah. Once I understand all of that and I work with the CEO to be in alignment on what those requirements are, then it's time to start that hiring process for the full-time person to come replace me. I agree. And there's multiple scenarios that you can use an interim position. That's one. Another is what if your your CRO resigns or potentially they're non-performing CRO, CFO, CMO, CTO, any of those executives. So what if you do have a full-time person right now and they leave, resign, terminated, whatever? Those are critical positions. So if you've reached the point in your organization's growth or scale that you're at the revenue size or complexity where it merits a full-time executive, then you should not rush to fill that position. Just like a football team, right? We are here in Denver. So our Denver Broncos are currently going through some challenges Mm. and we fired our head coach. So we have an interim head coach. Someone still needs to do the job day to day, but they're not the long-term person. They're in there 
effectively doing the role the best that they can for this season to keep everything going. But it allows the greater executive team and board or whomever to spend the time to find and evaluate and ensure they have the right person coming in long-term. Right. Rushing will have negative consequences if they fill it too fast with the wrong person at that level is scary. What have you seen? I, I've seen it both ways. <laughs> I've seen uh, the rush to fill the role with someone completely new to an organization. And that's, that's tough. It takes time, lots of time for an executive to get up to speed for a new organization, and especially one that has just gone through a major scale. Yeah. Right. Um, I've also seen, you know, well, one, let me finish that first thought. When that happens, that very fast replacement, it has such enormous implications on the existing team. They have no trust. They don't know this new person that just got thrown into the spot. So I I often see a lot of attrition when that happens. On the other hand, if you work with an interim executive in the time, in my opinion, someone from internally, right? They can do most of the work, right? And pass off their other responsibilities. So let's say it's a CMO you know, who splits, <laughs> ask the director of marketing to step into that role as much as they can. They're probably looking for that opportunity anyway and would just die to do the best job that they can in the interim. They know they're not qualified for the role. They know they're not going to get the role, but they can, one, have that knowledge of everything that's been going on, everything that's in flight so that Like you said, the executive team can focus on finding that right replacement without worrying about all the plates that are spinning in the air crashing to the ground. Yeah, the engine has to keep going. I mean, you have to keep, especially to your point, if you said, if if you had just scaled it, (laughs) yikes, like this takes time, attention, it's at a whole new size and complexity. Got to have somebody that can maintain that engine until that right person is found for long term. The interim person is critical also in the way that it's explained to the company. Yes. Because some of the team members may not have worked for a company where they've had interim leadership. And so the way that it's articulated, explained is very important. And so I also feel like team members that directly interface with that person should get a little extra communication because not everybody is comfortable in a risk taker seat. I'm an entrepreneur. I like sitting in a scrappy seat. I can handle a lot of risk. I'm fine with ups and downs, but many workers need that sense of security and stability and clarity with their role. They want to know how they're being held accountable, how their performance is being measured, what good looks like. They want to make sure they're doing all the right things. And if that leader is not there and there's an interim leader, that creates some, some, um, fear and it creates uncertainty, which then can hinder their productivity. And I do believe, and and also their longevity with the company, you said some leaders cause attrition when they come in. And so I do believe that it's the CEO's responsibility and potentially another executive to set the tone and communication and prepare the organization for whomever it is to be in an interim seat. Right. And another option is if you find that star that you want to be that executive maybe start them out as an interim. Mm -hmm. It's such a process to figure out whether it's a good fit both ways. So I have seen um, one of my clients doing this right or had done this earlier this year is they brought in a new executive as interim. The plan was 
three to six months. We're going to evaluate, is it the right fit? Are we on the same page about our strategic plans and what needs to be done? Are we a good cultural fit together? Sure. And then there are no hard feelings. You know, the time comes to the end. It's like, all right, we tried this out. I think we tried really hard. We both agree that just isn't right for us. Search for a new person while you have the interim in place. If it is the right fit, have that conversation. This feels like the right fit. I love the alignment. Let's turn this from interim to full-time. Yeah, I agree. It is interesting to consider bringing someone in from outside of the organization into an interim seat to do that trial period. I think that approaching that very carefully with clear communication would Mm. be key because to our earlier point, sometimes it's easier to pull from someone already inside of the organization to fill the interim so that there's very little downtime and there isn't a lot of need for ramping education, et cetera. So there's a lot of different ways that you can approach this. I hope we served you well today in explaining the differences between outsourced executives fractional executives and interim executives. Anything you'd like to add to wrap us up? No, I mean, I think it's been a productive conversation and I look forward to our next go round. Yeah, definitely. We'll follow this up with a blog too. So you can check out houseofrevenue.com and we'll have a corresponding blog on the topic. Thanks everyone. 